0: Uh, in this series entitled Vital Signs, and we will be in chapter 2 today. Last week, we, uh, we were talking about obedience, and up until this point, John has, has been sharing uh, the importance of a right understanding of the historic reality of Jesus Christ. It's when he starts out in, in uh, chapter 1 there, it kind of takes you back almost to his gospel, how he starts out in the beginning, and then even kind of reflecting Genesis in the beginning. And, and so he's, he's really establishing who Jesus Christ is, and, and that he is, Jesus is necessary for salvation. He is the basis of fellowship, and he is a cause to rejoice. All right, And that's kind of what we've been gathering up until this point. And then, again, going into re- reflecting on last week, he goes on, uh, to give several marks or proofs of genuine salvation which are true believers obey God's word it almost you almost might think that should go without saying but I think if you're like me you need to be reminded of that from time to time don't we we are supposed to obey God's word and it, it, it on, a, on a surface level it seems very simple doesn't it but if we're not careful we can just kind of drift at times or if or those parts that we maybe we just don't like and we kind of choose to stay ignorant about. Uh, we, we can't get by all the time. We can't continue to just claim ignorance, can we? That's why we preach the whole word of God here so that we can help you with that. And then you don't have any excuses. So I don't know if that's good or bad for you, but we're going to keep doing it. Um, but we, we're supposed to obey. Obedience is a requirement. All right? It's hard. It's hard. It's tough. And when you read those hard sections of scripture where maybe you see in your life it's not lining up, I get it. It's challenging, but we we are we are called to engage that. To, by God's help through God's help, we are able to overcome those things, right? We are God has overcome the world. He has given us the ability to overcome sin in our life. And so we can actually rejoice in that that we're not left to be stuck in our sin. And, and with obedience, if you recall last week, we talked about loving God's people. Loving God's people. And we call it fellowship, but loving this, this sea of people here, right? And all of God's people around the world. And if you recall from last week, we talked about vertical first, and then horizontal. When your relationship with God is there and intact, it makes this a little easier, and only from that relationship, vertical, can we do the horizontal relationship of loving one another. And just to, to touch on that point last week about the word hate we talked about. Do you remember that? And how we can kind of misunderstand that. It's not hate like despise, but it's, it's talking about loving less, loving someone less. And we're supposed to love one another with the same amount of love. And so that kind of brings us up to this point today in uh, chapter 2 and verse 12. And that's where we'll begin. And uh, today we're going to be talking about worldliness. all right The danger of worldliness. And many things might come to your mind, like what is this definition, or what, what would you call worldliness, or what does it look like in your mind? And we'll, we'll get to that, some of the answers uh, in a little bit here. But before we do, we can, uh, we're going to go through this first section in 12 and uh, 13 and 14. And we finally sort of get, if you recall, if you were here for the first message um, in, in 1 John, we talked about how this isn't written like a normal letter, meaning he doesn't have like an introduction like a normal letter. He doesn't identify himself or who it's to. But now we kind of get this idea of, of uh, why John is writing, is penning this, this letter, okay? And so that's where we're going to start today, and, and then we'll just unpack it from there. So, Beginning in verse 12 in First John chapter 2, I'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard. The ESV is on the screen. If you're in the app, it should be the Holman as well. So beginning in verse 12, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I uh, just thank you for today, God. I thank you for this opportunity just to share your word. God, I pray that you just uh, just use this time, Lord, to speak to us, to speak to our hearts, Father God. God, I pray that uh, you uh, just allow us to hear the word and, and also to respond to your word, Father, and, and to engage in, in change that is where change is needed. And so, Lord, we just thank you that your word is alive and that it, uh, it changes us. And so we just trust you with that today and we thank you for it in Jesus name. amen. amen so if if you were uh, imagine if you would if you were out on the street today and after service here and you go to lunch somewhere and you can't find uh, a place or you, you, you want to go to a, a restaurant or something like that for lunch and you were to go to somebody that knows where this restaurant is and you said yeah you know can you tell me uh, where this place is like uh, this place to eat that I'm trying to find? And if that person looked at you and said, "Yeah, um, you just need to head south north, okay or yeah, just just go east west and it's it's right over that way. Has this ever happened to anybody yeah. Has it <laughs> I would believe that here actually uh and you can probably actually do it maybe, and that totally messes up the illustration, but um no what that's I'm being kind of funny here, but You know, you don't say that, do you? You say northeast, which is north kind of, and you just veer a little bit east or northwest. We don't ever say go north south. And as we engage today's scripture, and and I want to keep this keep this in your mind, that really it's the same way when we say that we love God, if we truly love God, then we cannot, it is impossible to love the world, meaning the things of the world. Okay, and we'll kind of discuss what that means here in a minute, because too many times, you know, we're just pursuing the wrong thing or the wrong person, if you, if you will. If we are truly in love with God, and I want you to get this, if you are truly in love with God and you're truly pursuing God, how can you, the, the world is the opposite direction. How can you possibly pursue the world if you're pursuing God? But yet, if we look in the church and maybe even in our own lives at times, we can see it without looking very far or very long, where, where people, you look at them and you're like, what do you, what do you, what's going on here? What is it that you're pursuing? Is it the things of this world? Or is it God? And so I want us to kind of have this in our mind the, that it's, it's one or the other. We can't have both. We cannot have both. And so beginning in, um, again, the verse 12 there as I read, I want you to see that it, this is kind of, can be a little confusing, and so I'm going to kind of try to clear up some of this. So when he starts out, he says in verse 12, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Okay, And now if you can jump to 14, it says, I have written to you children because you have come to know the Father. Now what you're going to see is like these kind of two echoes almost or two repeated lines. So at the beginning of 12 and 14, you have this address to children. And then if you notice, you have two, again, parallels. I am writing to you fathers. All right, you see that? And then if you jump down to two more there at the end of 13 and the end of 14, it says, I have written to you young men. Some of them are literally word for word the same. Others have a little bit of difference, right? And it's kind of confusing because it, what it comes across as in our translation is it's kind of maybe children, young men, and then men, all right? And it, it applies here to women as well. He's it's you understand what' what we're saying, and but what is what is happening is that first one where he refers to children is he's just speaking in general to everyone, okay? and if you go back there's there's all throughout first John, but it, like for example, if you go back to two one, I don't know if we have it on the screen, but it says this. he start, says in two one he says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin, okay? So again, if you recall for John loves these people. He loves them to the point where he considers them his children. So this is a general statement here, I believe, that, that he's talking to his children, just like he refers to them throughout the, the, the whole letter. And so he says to everyone, little children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Who's his name? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And if we jump down to 14, he says, I've written to you children also you, because you have come to know the Father. And we see the relationship here is that our fellowship is with the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And this is critical, He's reminding them before he gets into this part about being in the world or or drifting towards worldliness. And so he's wanting to solidify and remind them where their salvation comes from and who their salvation is in. It's in Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus and the work of the cross, they now have relationship with their Heavenly Father. And so he's solidifying this uh, at the beginning of these two uh, paragraphs, if you will. So... So we see that, and we see the two groups uh, now that we're going to get into of fathers and young men. Now, again, sorry, there's just some, we have to bring more clarity here. So fathers here really isn't necessarily fathers in the sense of, you know, father-son. These are fathers are referring to basically your older, older men, okay? Are there any older men in this room if you, who would consider themselves older? I just want to see where everybody's at here. <laughs> okay, I agree with pretty much all of you. Just kidding. Um, you're as young as you feel, I guess. Right? Some days I feel like I'm an old man, but um, but so so yeah. So the fathers, what he's what he's talking about here is is your older older men here that he's he's engaging. And so let's let's see what he says to the older men of the group here. He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. And if you notice, again, his, his other part, where and, and there's a slight change here. If you notice, he says, I am writing, depending on your translation. It says, I am writing, and then the next time he says, I have written. So it's, it's kind of like this all-encompassing, like, I have written and told you this before, but now I'm reminding you of who you are in Christ. And so he's reminding the, the older men there And and this is pretty much word for word besides that. It says, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Now listen, this word know is a very deep knowing and understanding. This isn't just, you know, I know my alphabet or something. This is a very deep personal relationship of knowing There's The same word is used when uh, you read in Scripture where when we're standing in front of Jesus or some people are standing in front of Jesus and he looks at them and he says, go away, I never knew you. What is he saying there? Is he saying, does Jesus not know who this person is? He's God, right? So it's pretty safe to say he probably knows them, right? He knows who they are, but he's saying, I never knew you, meaning I never had personal relationship with you, a close relationship. And so this is the same kind of knowing that God is saying here, and He's He's speaking this to the older men because He wants to bring out this this understanding and He wants to remind them because they're they're more seasoned and they they're at this place in life that they have something really a stability uh, to offer to the, the other people around them. And so He's wanting to again um, a lock in this idea that they have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Now, to get into the the portion where he's talking about young men. Any young men in the room? Yeah, yeah. Come on, man, raise it proud, loud and proud. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. If you need help with that, I can help you understand if you're a young man or not. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I might need to shift my message another direction here. Um, so he says to the young men. so this is, this is kind of, I think, where most of the, a lot of the difference is, and I just want us to, to delve in here. So he says, I am writing to you, young men, in the end of 13, I am writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. Now, jumping down to the end of 14, he, he lays out this, it's kind of bookended now, those same phrases, I have written to you, young men, and then at the end of it, says, and you have had victory over the evil one. But there's a key phrase in there that I think he brings out intentionally, and he wants to remind now because he is wanting to tell them that because you are strong, God's word remains in you. Okay? Where is the source of their strength coming from? Because of God's word remaining in them, right? It's not in their youth, it's not in their physical strength, but he's telling them it's because God's word is in them that they are strong. Turn uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to go ahead and go there today. Uh, go to Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament, Chapter 40. I just wanted to read just this, uh, this passage here from the prophet Isaiah describing uh, who God is. And uh, let's begin in uh, 40, verse uh, 28. And it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole world. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. Now, verse 29, He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Verse 30, Youths may faint and grow weary And young men stumble and fall. Verse 31, but those who trust, some of uh, the King James says, wait on the Lord or in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So again, this is giving us a little more picture here at this strength that he's speaking of. And so you know, one thing I want us to really take away from from the scripture today, is that it's about having the word of God in us at all times. And how do we do that? By spending time in the word, right? By spending time in prayer and spending time with Jesus and, and making that a priority in our life. And through that, when God's word remains in us, we can be strengthened to stand. Now, remember, this is all leading up to this part we're going to talk about about worldliness, so he's 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 wanting to just get this cemented in to these guys and say listen this is where your source of strength is and this is how you can do what I'm about to share. One thing I do want to just part or just mention here as I was preparing it it came to my mind. Notice there's a distinction between old men and young men in this. Right? In this room, as we look across, there is a mixture of old men, young men, old women. Sorry, is that okay to say? Uh, no, it's not. But like like fine wine, like wine, and you age. Is it, is it working? Or just, they got a bigger shovel? Just keep, I'm really good at this, my wife will tell you. I think can just, I can shovel the hole in two seconds, so. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, you, Huh? Old and young, yes. You young, older women. Uh, and, and then there's younger women, and old men and young men. Experienced, yes. Any other options? Senior. Huh? Senior. Okay, senior. Seasoned. Bature. I'm scared to keep asking for anything else. So, so But what I want to point out is this there's a point here, I promise, is that in this mix of people, we have a tendency to separate old and young. Young people want to typically hang out with their young friends or do their young people thing. The other people uh, (laughs) tend to just want to, sometimes you can just, you just want to do other things that you're interested in and, you know, um, And and be with people that are like you, right? But I think the key to the to to the body of Christ and and and, you know the reason John is is separating these two and dressing these two is that we need each other. There's value in relationship across the spectrum, if you will. And I mean one of when we, we ran a life group years back and It was one of my favorite life groups ever because it was just this, we had this spectrum of people from all over of different ages and different places in life. And what you find is you glean from each other. And I I love sitting with, you know, aged people and just listening, right? Because I can't get a serious point across here, right? Because when... When, when they talk, when they speak, I've learned at my age, which I'm kind of like straddling now, you know, between old and young, I've learned that there's wisdom there. And by stopping and listening, I can possibly be saved from potential catastrophe down the road. If I, if I listen and God has put us together, and I think if we pause and listen and stop and, and we try to, to mix together, I think, you know, it's, it's beneficial. Beneficial for everyone. And so for the young people, especially here, who you would say you're a young person, you need to go upstream. You need to seek out relationships with older couples and people, people at different places in life, so that you can gain wisdom and understanding, because they have much to offer. The body of Christ is not made up of a bunch of fingers or a a bunch of kneecaps. It's made up of this mix of people. And so we need to, to utilize that and, and let that minister to us. And so I just wanted to bring that out and encourage you with that. Now, so all this, again, is, is we finally get this reason for writing. And, and, and John is bringing out that understanding our spiritual condition will prevent, ultimately, our worldliness or going into the world to understand who we are in Christ. Verse 15 He says, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. I'm going to kind of pause there for a minute. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Now, this word world here, because when I you know, read this, and if you know, I mean, the John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son. And I, I was kind of like wrestling around with this a little bit. Like, you know, how? What does this mean exactly? You know, you want, you can love the world, but I'm not. Because isn't, isn't that right to say that we were supposed to love the world or people, right? In the world. And so, and I'm looking at this, and 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 God's just sort of, you know, unpacking it for me and helping me out here, and. You know, so one thing that, that is, is helpful is to understand what this word world here means, okay? The word world here means are, are basically anything that's in opposition to God, all right? Forces that are in opposition, those things that are corrupted from the fall of man when Satan took the wheel, so to speak, all right? When man fell, Satan was there and he's like, thank you for giving me control. And that's why when you look around now, what do you see? Crazy, disaster, bad stuff, right? Okay. So, so this is what we have to understand to begin with is, is who, what he's saying here. When he says, do not love the world or the things of this world. And what he's saying is that we cannot love anything more than we love God. All right? We can love people but we cannot love people, we cannot love the sin that those people are committing. We cannot love the things of this world. We, we can't love anything that's not eternal. If I boil it down, let me boil it down like that. Okay? So if, if, if you have a child, if you have a, a son or daughter, and that, that son or daughter goes out into the world and they're, they're living crazy, can you still love that son or daughter? Yeah. You should say yes to that, okay? I'm not setting you up. What I mean is, and this is something I, thought, I think it's kind of cool. I don't think it, it's crazy me or anything, but is your son or daughter eternal? Not, not from beginning eternal. I'm saying eternity going forward. Yes, they are, right? When they die, is that the end? They're going to go into to, to eternity. Now, their destination, that's something we need to discuss, Right? So I think what what God is saying or you know what God is trying to get across and what John's trying to write in this letter is that we can love people, we are to love the, the people in the world because we love them where they're at, and we love them, not their sin, they need Jesus, but we have to show the love of Christ to them. and so one thing that I think you know also is, is evident here is that in ourselves we cannot love somebody that's unlovable. I mean, maybe I don't think I can't. And I'm pretty sure if I, you know, brought somebody in here, let me, you know, let me give you an example. So you see, there's stories, there's numerous stories, but maybe you've heard of one of these where, let's say, a, a family is struck by a drunk driver in a vehicle, right? And that's, drunk driver kills the whole family, let's say say with the exception of one, a mother, the mother or somebody or the father. And somehow, some way, let's say the mother lives and she's able to go to that person who is driving that car and she can sit across from them and she can look them in the eye and she says, "I I forgive you. Do you think that's from her own strength? it's it's not it's not possible to truly forgive. And and if you think like, well, maybe I could just escalate that to much more horrific things and 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 ask yourself, can you love that person? Whatever the crime. Can you could you love that person? No. Some of you in this room might have someone in your life that has mistreated you, done something wrong, whether it's a family member, a friend, a colleague, a boss. And by the world's standards, you have every right to not love that person. But if you claim Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'm here to assure you that if he lives in you, the ability to love that person is there. Now, I'm not going to take away, I don't want to take anything away from any pain any the, the, the challenge that's there, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that there's hope to forgive that person and to truly love that person in spite of what they've done to you. Some of you in this room, you're hearing what I'm saying, and I hope I hope and I pray that you can get to that place where you can truly say, I love this person, regardless of what they've done to me. And I would encourage you, if that is you, to start from a place of prayer and praying for that person because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We pray for our enemies. We love our enemies. And so we pray and as we pray and ask God, God, help me to come to a place that I can truly honestly say that I love them and that I forgive them. Why? Because I was loved and forgiven when I was in the worst place that I could ever be, when I was an enemy of Christ he loved me and he forgave me. Right? So I just want to encourage you in that. And and so again, we don't love the things of this world. We don't love the world. But again, when we have the love, when we have Christ in us, we are able to extend love to them that does not come from ourselves. Continuing on in verse 15, it says, Because everything that belongs to the world, and so he gives us some some things here. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, this word lust here, again, it's, it's, its can also be said its it's a strong desire. Okay? A strong desire is another way to translate that. And there's good strong desires and there's bad strong desires. If you really like ice cream or dessert or something like that you can have a strong desire for that but how you engage that and maybe how much you engage it is all kind of relative right you you can have that strong desire but like say it's ice cream or cake you know i i'm not going to be a glutton and just eat that all the time but i do have a strong Desire in the flesh, if you will, for that. And so this is kind of, kind of a, a picture of that and, and what it's speaking of. But we have three things here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle. Now, I, I don't have the time to completely unpack all of it, but if you look in the Old Testament, maybe a lot of you probably know this, in the garden, okay? When man fell... By taking the fruit, they basically committed all three of these. All right? If you want to study this, go online. It's very simple to find. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle. Okay? It's easy to say, if you're a a teacher in here, you could just put a big fail across of that. All right? They failed in this temptation. They failed in this test. Because all they had was this one thing that they could not touch or eat. They just had to leave it alone. And our future would be much different now, wouldn't it? I always wonder like what the line is gonna look like to talk to Adam and Eve in, in heaven one day, you know. It's probably gonna be really long. But they they were they faced this and they and they chose to do it and they they fell, and they failed during their temptation. Now we fast forward into the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And this guy named Jesus, right? And he was led into the wilderness, wasn't he? And when he was tempted, he was tempted in all three of those same areas. And as we talked about earlier, how did he respond to each one? With scripture, with the word of God, didn't he? It is written. And this is the importance of having the word in us is that when temptation comes and the things of this world come crashing in, we need to be able to stand against that and it's only through the word of God that we can do that. Having the word of God in us. How many are thankful here that Jesus passed the test? Amen? Because what happened after that test it says in the word in the scripture it says he was led by the spirit but then it says he came back endowed with power by the spirit of God and he began his ministry on earth at that point and you know the rest of the story amen <laughs> let me just wrap some things up here I just want to finish in verse 17 and it says And the world the world with its lust is passing away but the one who does God's will remains forever. All right? What's another word, or what's, another, what's a word for does God's will? It's very simply obedience, isn't it? It's echoing back to what we had talked about last week and about obedience and to the word of God and what God is, is, is calling us to do. The one who is obedient, you could say, remains forever. You see, I believe, church, that weed is sometimes, and here it's, it's, I mean, everywhere it's challenging, but here when you see just all the materialism and just the pursuit of things that are opposite of God. If you've ever gone to a restaurant and you want to sit down, if you want to go sit inside, you can pretty much be seated immediately. Do you want to sit outside where everybody sees you? you, Has anybody noticed this? They ask you, do you want to sit inside? And you look inside, the restaurant's empty. Outside, everybody's sitting there. Why are they sitting there? Because they want to be seen, right? They want to be seen. Now, sometimes, I mean, if it's a nice view, maybe you want to sit outside. But you can go to any restaurant. You can go to the mall, all right, to Avenues, to Cheesecake Factory, and... You look at the outside and it's packed. Everybody wants to sit on the edge. Why? Because they want to be seen that we're out eating this and they're going to take their 50 selfies, right, of their food and that they're there eating and post it on Facebook so everybody can see what they're doing, that they're eating at this restaurant. And so there's, there's a lot of pride that just spools around us every single day. We can slip into that. We want... Sometimes we like that. We like people to see us in certain places. We like to be recognized for certain things. And so it's essential that we have the Word of God in our hearts. It's essential that we are being obedient to what the Word of God lays out so that we don't, we don't move into these things. And so to love people and to love people in a world around us that's fallen, we have to be very vigilant to stay in the Word of God. Okay? Okay to stay in the word of God. And so, as we wrap up, I just want to just leave you with a few questions just to think about this week. The first question I would ask you is, have you come to know God through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? It's very simple. Because if you haven't, we want to give you that opportunity today. And if you haven't, and you, can, you cannot honestly say yes to that, I would invite you to to see me or Pastor Steve after service, and we would be happy to to help you with that. Another question I want to leave you with is, what's more important to you, making money or serving God? Would you rather be rich or holy? Okay, What things are you seeking here? And we, We touched on this a lot last week, but just to bring it back around again, what things are you seeking in this country while you're here? Do you love the things of the world more than the things of God? Now, again, initially, we're all going to say, of course not. You know, but I think if we do an inventory in our lives and, and we ask God to show us, if you're bold enough, and say, God, would you show me if there's something in my life where I'm loving that more than I love you? And you'd be surprised. I mean, there might be something that's there that, that you need to take care of, and you can do that. Lastly worldly attitudes produce worldly behavior. And are you allowing worldly attitudes like selfishness, covetousness and pride to influence you? We're just going to just spend a few minutes now and just I just want you to spend some time where you're at, just a few moments and just pray and ask God Are there areas in my life where some worldliness have crept in. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me in the past when I was working in the secular world and it crushed me. But I remember somebody just being surprised when they found out that I was a Christian. I'd been working with them for a long period of time and they're like, oh, you're a Christian? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was very sobering to me because I'm, I, am I living a life that is, where it's so evident that I follow Christ, that I'm a Christ follower, that there is no question that I'm a Christian. And I just want to bounce that to you now. Do you, at your workplace and just your circle of friends, do they know you're a Christian? If you are a Christian, do they know, would they be surprised to see you sitting here at church on a Friday morning? If they don't, and if that's something that's you're feeling some conviction on, then I would encourage you just to, to repent of that. You need to get in the Word of God, and you need, to, you need to pray, and you need to 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 live a life where it's speaking loudly of who you serve—the things of this world or God. So, I would just invite you to stand at this time. We're gonna, just going to sing through this song just for a moment, and. We still have plenty of time. We're not in a rush. Just use this time to just reflect and to ask God to show you, are there areas in my life where I have drifted into the ways of this world? I just want to ask you the question of, can you see, can you see Jesus in your life? Can you see him and the love as we've sang today, this, the love in his eyes. Can you see as he laid himself down, is is this where your gaze is fixed in your life right now? I believe the Spirit of God is moving in this place today and He's changing hearts. That's why we come here. That's why we gather together is to be encouraged and to, to once again dial our focus where it needs to be. It's much like when you light a a torch and first you have this flame that that really can't do anything, but as you take the the knob and the adjustment and you adjust that down to to this this flame that's able to cut through something with precision, and that's what's happening right now is the Spirit of God is speaking to you and He wants you to come into a place where you have clarity of who it is you're serving and why it is you're here and what it is you're supposed to be doing and he wants to use you. And I believe he's saying today that it's, it's about removing, allowing him to come in and take the worldliness from your life. You cannot go north and south at the same time. You cannot serve God with all your heart while serving the world and pursuing the things of the world. Which direction will you choose today? And some of you, I believe your heart is to follow God and to follow Christ, but you have just allowed the, the noise of the world to just be turned up and it's overshadowed that and you've lost sight. If you're here in this place and you find yourself confused, you find yourself unsure of who Jesus is, I He wants to meet you here today. He wants to meet you here today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you, God. I thank you for What an opportunity just to gather together in your presence in Kuwait, God, that you have blessed us with this place and this time right now to be able to stand here in your presence, worshiping you, God. I lift up each person today that that boldly raised their hand and said, "You know what, I've gotten I've gotten distracted." My heart once burned bright and was alive and just there was this fire within me that just wanted to pursue God and nothing else. And God, that's what some, some of the people here are saying today. And God, I, you see them and you saw their hands and you see their hearts where they're at. And I would just encourage you, if that is you that raised your hand, just you need to repent. Ask God to forgive you and he will. Ask him to show you those areas very clearly and repent of those and then turn from them. And he has given you, again, the spirit of God in you to overcome sin. We're not perfect, but when we make mistakes and we get off track, his grace is there and is sufficient. His love is there. His mercy is there. The cross and the work of it is there. God, I thank you for stirring our hearts today. That you stir our hearts to you and to the things that are important to you, Lord, that you make those things important to us, that we are able to be a light to this world, that we are able to love this world and that we can be in this world, but not of it as the scripture says. Jesus, as we look at your life, when you walk this earth and when you you hung out with tax collectors and and sinners, you weren't becoming like them. You were being a light to them. You were ministering to them. And I pray that each person here in this place, as we leave this place and go out into the world and go into our workplaces, into our homes and less than optimal situations, that we go in, when we walk in the door, Christ walks in the door with us. Light comes into the room full of darkness. As the illustration goes, that we are thermostats, not thermometers. That we set the temperature. We don't just follow what everything else is doing and just read whatever everyone else is doing and just do it. God, help us to carry the banner of Christ everywhere we go. Not that we would just beat our chest and say a bunch of things, but, God, that people would sense your presence when we walk into a room and that they would respond and say, you know, what's different about you? What is it about you that you, something you have that I know I need? Let us be ready. Let us be expectant, Lord, for those kind of scenarios to happen. Let us be prepared to share the good news. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done here in this place today. That you've spoken to us and that you've changed us and that we leave this place refreshed and renewed. In Jesus' name.